Listen, as you guessed it, we are starting a brand new series today. And for those of you joining us online, come on, let's give it up for our online community. What an honor to be here with you today. But how many of you know, come on, help me out here. A church alive is worth the drive. Come on out. We'd love to worship with you, get to know you. So we're starting a brand new series today called Summer at the Movies. And look, here at Church at the Bridge, we believe that the gospel is fun. That relationship with God is not this somber, you know, serene, you know, dead experience, right? The Bible says that we have been made alive in Christ. Do I have any alive people in the house today? So if you're alive, here's what I need you to do with me. I need you to preach with me, right? I need you to use your hands. Come on, use your hands, right? Right? If you agree with something, I need you to say, that's me, amen, right? Okay, come on. You guys are up and ready. So... Today, we're going to start this series, and we like to keep things fun. So for the summer, we're going to be introducing this series called Summer at the Movies. And what we're going to do is we're going to be covering some powerful scriptural truths, but we're going to keep it very practical. We're going to springboard off of of some movie clips that provide us a practical example, a visual, that help us connect with the Word of God. Amen. So you guys ready? All right. so, So I heard somebody today shout out today's movie, right? We're going to show some clips from it. Our first movie today is a children's favorite. It's a, it's a movie called Finding Nemo, right? Okay, there's somebody that's super excited. Calm down. Calm down. We have some adult children in the house, right? It's all right. We're going to have some fun, but we're actually going to watch two scenes. We're going to watch a scene that starts in Finding Nemo. It's towards the end of the movie, and then in the second Uh, uh, part of this movie. It's called Finding Dory. We have the clip that tells us what the end result of what started in Finding Nemo. So Finding Nemo is the story of a clownfish named Marlin that lived in the Great Barrier Reef, and he loses his son. Somebody going, aww. Right? He loses his son. His little son named Nemo. After he ventures off into the open sea, despite his father's constant warnings about many of the ocean's dangers. Now, Nemo ventures off during a trip on his first day to school. My young adults, my, my, my teens, don't get any bright ideas. Don't cut out in school. Don't cut out from your college classes, right? So Nemo cuts out on the very first day of school, and he gets abducted by a boat, and he gets cast into a net and sent all the way to a dentist's office in a fish tank in Sydney, Australia. So he's far away from home. And his father, Marlin, ventures off to try and retrieve Nemo. And as Marlin does so, he meets this fish named Dory. Now, Dory is a blue tang fish that suffered from short-term memory loss. Dory is hilarious, right? I encourage you, go watch the movie with your family, right, with your loved ones. Have some fun with it, right? And so he, he, he uh, connects with this, with this fish named Dory, and they travel together to a great distance, and they encounter several dangerous um, sea creatures such as sharks and anglerfishes and jellyfish in search as they search the ocean far and wide. And Nemo, on the other hand, ends up in a fish tank with other, uh, uh, other fishes. And in this, in this dentist fish tank, they begin to plot a way to break out of the fish tank, Right? So their plan is that they want to be, fl- be free, so their plan is to jam the fish tank, the filter, with little pebbles that are at the bottom of the fish tank in hopes that the water can get so dirty that the, 
that the uh, dentist decides that he's going to take them out of the fish tank, put them in little plastic bags, and clean the fish tank. So watch what these fish do. They're saying to themselves, if we can just get to the plastic bags, we can roll our way all the way across the street and jump into the ocean, which is across the street, right? But as they do this, their plan fails. You see, Nemo gets, almost gets sucked into a filter as he's trying to get a pebble in there, so it fails. But then they do it again, and this time, Nemo's the only one that escapes, and he ends up in the toilet, right? And he goes through all these pipes and ends up in the ocean. Meanwhile, his friends are stuck in the tank until events turn in their favor. So let's see what happens in their initial escape and how it turns out for them later on from a clip uh, from Finding Dory. I want you to consider that for many, the lifelong journey as followers of Christ is like the predicament that Nemo's friends found themselves in, right? In both of these movie clips, they find themselves asking this question, now what? We've broken free, now what? And the truth is this, that we've broken out of this tank of sin that has kept us trapped. We've broken into this promise of a new life. We've come into a new family known as the church. We believe for greater things, but some of us still feel stuck. While we believe that God has more in store for us, we're stuck wondering, come on, say that with me. Now what? Now what? Say that with me. Now what? Go ahead and look at three people and ask them, now what? You guessed it. Today I want to talk to you from the heart of God as we dig into the word on the topic, now what? You see, the sense of feeling stuck while following Jesus is not an exclusive experience to you, to me. The truth is this, that every follower of Christ goes through it. We all go through it. Some of us are going through it right now. Now what? I've accepted Jesus, now what? Right? Some of us are going, are, are, have gone through it, right? And we understand that struggle. And some of us, all of us will eventually face it. Now what? So it's important for us to examine the scriptures and see what they teach us about breaking free, being free, and remaining free so that we can grow and progress into a new life where we get past this place where we've been stuck questioning, now what? See, God did not create you and I to be stuck. He did not pay the ultimate price for us to linger and simmer and stew and be stuck in life. Let me show you that from Scripture. The book of Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, depict for us what Jesus came to do for us. This is Jesus speaking through the prophet in the book of Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, I just want to pause right there for a moment because for some of us, we interpret that to mean poverty. And that's not talking about poverty. That's not talking about lack of finances. That's talking about a lack of understanding and receiving what God has done for you and I. So watch who he came for. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Anybody ever been there? Come on, we can be honest, right? 
We've been there to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Watch this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When it talks about the year of the Lord's favor, it's talking about the era, the time. And that time is now, friends. If you believe that, give God some praise for that. Right? And also to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. In other words, God makes all things right. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a beauty instead of ashes. Who gives a trade like that? I'll take your ashes and I'll give you a crown of beauty. He says to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Friends, I want you to consider that Jesus Christ did not come for us to live stuck. He came to set us free. And here's the truth. In Christ, because you are a child of God, if, to, if you've made that decision to follow after Christ, here's the truth. You have been set free. We have been set free. The door has been opened to a new life. We don't have to stay stuck and succumb to life's hardships. But freedom, my friends, has to be walked out. Freedom, my friends, has to be taken advantage of. Freedom, my friends, is something that you and I must step out towards and do something with. It reminds me of a story I heard a while back of the eagle who believed he was a chicken. Now, this little eagle, right, had been abandoned by its mama in a nest, and the farmer happened to be walking by, and he sees this little eagle, and he t picks the eagle up. He feels sorry for it, so he takes it back to his farm. But he puts it amongst chickens because he figures it takes a bird to raise a bird, right? And so he places this little eagle with chickens, and this eagle grows up attempting to cluck and walking around acting like it was a chicken. It was a phenomenon. People would come see it from all over. So one day this zoologist, a specialist, a scientist, happens to see this little eagle acting like a chicken, and he goes, I can get that eagle to start acting like an eagle. And the farmer goes, I'm telling you, it's a chicken at this point. You can't change it. And so he says, let me try. He says, go ahead. And so he takes the little eagle. He raises it up. And he goes, you are an eagle. You were created to soar. And then he props it up into the air. And he says, fly, little eagle. And the eagle lands on the floor and goes back to the chickens. And it's attempting to cluck. And it's acting like a chicken. Right? So a couple of days later, this scientist, this zoologist comes back and he says, I'm telling you that I can get that eagle to step into its true identity and to, to, to act according to its true nature. And the farmer says to him, there's no way. That eagle's a chicken at this point. And he says, let me try again. He goes, go ahead and try. And so he gets up on top of the barn and he lifts the little eagle up and he says, eagle, you have been created to fly and to soar. You are an eagle. You're not a chicken. And so he props it up into the air, and the eagle drops to the floor. And then the eagle goes back to the chickens, and it attempts to cluck, and it begins to act like a little chicken. A couple of weeks later, this same guy shows up again, and he says, I guarantee you I can get this little eagle to break out of its identity of a chicken. I'm telling you it can fly. And the farmer says, it's a chicken. And so he goes, let me try one. So he goes, absolutely. And so this guy goes on a long hike. 
He gets up to the top of a mountain and he's on a hanging cliff. And this cliff oversees the whole valley and the sun just happens to be shining directly on this cliff that overhangs this valley. And he looks at the eagle and he says, little eagle, you were created to soar and to fly. You are not a chicken. You are created to be an eagle. And at that moment, the eagle, as it looked over the entire valley, puffs its chest out and he props it up. And as the eagle begins to drop and drop and drop, all of a sudden it does something it never did before. It spread its wings and it discovered that it could soar. Let me tell you why I share that with you, friends. Because God did not raise you and, up, you and I to new life to be grounded, to be stuck, to cluck around like everyone else and look like everyone else and act like everyone else in this world. My friend, you have been destined. You have been created. God has anointed you to rise and to do great things in his name and for his glory. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that today. So I want to give you a couple of things that I believe will encourage your faith but will also help us break out of this place where we've been stuck asking, now what? Because whether it's happened, it's happening, or you're going to face it at some point, we all have to break out. Amen? So the first thing I want to encourage you with is don't look back because you're not going in that direction. Let me say that again. Don't look back. You're not going in that direction. Go ahead and look at somebody you didn't come with and tell them, don't look back. You're not going in that direction. Friend, you are not going in that direction. You're not going in that direction. Let me give you scripture for this. Galatians 5.1, the apostle Paul writing to a church, a people that had come to know Christ, and he's reminding them of something that they had began to forget. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us what? Free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Because you have been set free, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's leave that portion of scripture up there for a moment. I want you to consider this, that they, there's a saying that says experience is the best teacher. And you know where we go wrong sometimes? We look back for reference as if what's behind us has anything to do with what God has ahead of us. For some of us, we look back and we use our experience from behind, our hurts, our hang-ups, the hard lessons, and we somehow think, you know, all those things formed me and shaped me. Let me remind you that the scripture says that the old has passed away, the new has come. You can't go new places while thinking in old ones. And so what's behind you and I cannot provide us perspective. It cannot provide us the perspective that we need for what God has ahead of us. But friends, if you're going to look backwards, you have to approach it in many ways like a car. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In your car, you have two views. You have the rear view mirror, and then you have your windshield. Now, I want you to consider that the rearview mirror is small. Would you agree? It's small. And this small mirror is given to us so that we can look back 
while we're moving forward. But the purpose for looking back is to ensure that we are aware of any dangers behind us. And so if you're going to look back, you're not to look back to draw experience from it. We're supposed to look back to make sure that the past doesn't creep up on us and lead us to, to, to destruction. But you have a wider view from your windshield. You see, our windshield gives us an open view. It does alert us to potential dangers, but it's pointing us, it's giving us perspective for where we are going, friends. Let me ask you a question. Which mirror are you living by in your life? Because if you're going to move past this place where we sometimes get stuck, where we're questioning, now what? Now what? If we're going to break free from that place, if we're going to get unstuck, then friends, we have to have a greater perspective than the past. Whatever your past experience has been in church, whatever your past experience has been with people, Whatever your past experience have been with your family. Whatever your past experience has been with men, with women. Whatever your past experience have been in your workplace. Whatever your past experience has been in, in, in business. Whatever it is. Friends, what I'm telling you is you may have had some good experiences and that's great. But you can't live in yesterday's blessings. God has greater ones. And so we have to continue to press forward. We have to continue to move forward. See, the danger in looking back is that you'll miss what God is doing right now. Because what God is doing right now in this moment, in this season of your life, is a reference point that is bringing you forward towards greater things. I love that Pastor Nett shared this today when she was doing announcements. Let me read it to you again. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 says this, forget what? the former things. Come on and read that with me. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. You know what it means? To, you, you know what the Bible's saying when it talks about don't dwell in the past? Don't live there. Don't make your habitation there. Don't build your life there. Your past is not supposed to be your home. But then it goes on to say, see, I am doing what? A new thing. Come on and type that online, a new thing. God is doing a new thing. But watch what we have to do. We have to see it. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. I said, now it springs up. Now it springs up. See, God is doing something now. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with your, your expertise. It has nothing to do with your educational background. It has nothing to do with what you add. It's a work of God. And he says, now I'm doing it, and it's springing up. But here's where we go wrong. God says, do you not perceive it? Can you not discern that I'm working in your life right now? See, you may not see it. You may not feel it. It may not make sense. But let me encourage somebody that needs to hear this today. God's not done with you. He's working in your life right now. Right now in this moment. God is doing something right now. Right now in this moment. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness some of us, that's where we are. We feel like we're in these desert dry places. But it's in those places that God says, I'm making a way. There in those places, I'm making streams in wastelands, he says. 
You see, friend, stop dwelling on what's behind you. There's too much ahead of you. Don't let it go. Amen. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. The second point I want to encourage you with is that you and I must mind our lane. Mind your lane. Go ahead and tell somebody, mind your lane. Tell somebody else, mind your lane. Yeah, you got to mind your lane. Now, what are we talking about here? See, life with Jesus is a lot like running a good race. It's like running a good race. A good race is one where each runner stays in their lane and does not let another runner cut into their lane. A good race is one where you let nothing hinder you from the finish line. And when we allow others to cut into our lane, not only do they trip us up, friends, they also slow us down. And here's the worst part. If we allow it, they also work their ways into our lives. We no longer run our race. We run their race. And that's a losing race, friends. God has called you to work out your own salvation, the scriptures say. We're to run our own race. So let me give you some scripture for that. Galatians 5, 7 through 9 says this. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? This is how you know when somebody's cutting into your lane. You begin to question the truth. You begin to doubt what God has promised you. You begin to look to the left and to the right instead of staying centered in life. And so he goes on to say, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. See, God hasn't changed his mind about his purposes for your life. God has not changed his mind about the work he started in you. And he goes on to say, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little yeast. And I want you to notice this, that if you're going to guard your lane, the scripture is giving us a key here on how we guard our lane. It's telling us how we can begin to guard our lane. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The wrong people will always lead you astray with little things. It's small things. It's those small little things. They're small enough that you're willing to excuse them. It's no big deal. I'm, I, I can handle this, right? I, that's their issue. Look, there's nothing wrong with connecting and doing life with people that may have some struggles. Look, we all have them. But you see, if those small things begin to pull at your heart and begin to lead you to a place of compromise, then, friends, what I'm telling you is not only have you let someone cut into your lane, you've stopped running your race. You've stopped running your race. And you and I have to guard our lanes. You have to stay minded on your lane. You can't run according to somebody else's race. You can't worry about where they are in their walk. You can't compare yourself to people who might appear to have it more together than you. And you certainly can't try to carry everyone around you. See, the moment we start doing that, friends, we're not minding our lanes. We're losing our mind. Because we're going to a place that we were never created for. The next point I want to leave you with here is that we are free to do as we are, not as we like. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The truth is this. 
that you and I have been set free. We're going to see that in a second. The truth is that sin should not have dominion over our lives. The truth is that our past should not dominate us in the present and rob us of the future. But you see, there's something that gets in the way of all that God wants to do. It's the things that we sometimes like. And we have not been set free to do what we like. We have been set free to do what we ought to do. Let me read this to you from Scripture, Romans 6, 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump to verses 5 and 7. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Let me give you some context here for what's going on here. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And these were people who had come to a right understanding of God's grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. The Bible says that we have been washed and made white as snow. The Bible says that God has removed the stain of sin from us as far as the east is from the west. The east and west, when they kept going in their direction, they never touch. And so God has removed the stain of sin. Friend, you may have some sinful activity that you might still defer to, but you are not a sinner. The scripture says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are chosen, that you are anointed, that you are a holy people, that you are a royal priesthood. The scripture says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with Christ. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So the issue isn't that we change in God's eyes. The issue is that we begin to make changes from what's right. And when we do that, while we are still saints in the eyes of God, while we are still loved by God, while we're still covered by his grace, friends, the truth is that we still have consequences that we're going to have to deal with. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to these people. He's saying, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Because these people understood I'm covered by grace. And he goes in verse 2, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can we continue to go there is what he's saying. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. It goes on to say in verse 6, for we know that our old self was what? Crucified. You know, when Romans crucified people, they didn't crucify them so that they could live. They crucified them to die. And here's what the scripture is asserting. That sin nature, because sin is not behavior. Behavior is an out, it's a, it's a, it's a evidence of a wrong mindset. Wrong behavior is an evidence of a wrong belief system. And so what he's saying is the old self, that sin nature, has been crucified with him so that your body, uh, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to what? To sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Let me read that again. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Is there anyone in this house online that you have been made alive in Christ? Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Here's what God says, not me. Sin has died. It has died. And you see, that sort of thinking 
where we defer back to sinful memories, to sinful activity, it doesn't change our stand with God. But you know what it begins to change? It begins to change our view of ourselves. It changes our approach to God. And it changes if we enjoy the blessing upon us. And so that sort, of, that sort of thinking is slavery, the kind that takes us backwards. It's slavery. The scripture says it. It keeps us stuck in a life of sinfulness. It restricts us from freedom by keeping us enslaved to our old ways through erroneous belief. I had a conversation with a friend this past week. We were away on vacation, and we were talking, and he says, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I said, are you saved by grace, or are you still stuck in sin? Because if you're a sinner saved by grace, then friends, you're not saved. Because what you're saying is that Jesus didn't complete the job. That's the truth. I know this ruffles some religious feathers. It really does. It ruffled my feathers. But we have to understand that the grace of God, the mercy of God. Listen, Jesus was crucified not just because he dared to declare that he was the son of God. Jesus was crucified because he dared to say that the kingdom of God was come. And the kingdom of God which is in you cannot be tarnished. But you can tarnish your view. And so you see, here's the, here's the reality. Prior to Christ, we were slaves to sin. Let me tell you why. Because we couldn't get away from selfishness. We couldn't get away from wrong beliefs. We couldn't get away from erroneous attitudes. We couldn't get away from sinful behaviors. Because it's all we knew. How many of you know we only act according to what we know? You can only rise to the level of what you know. And if all you know is sin, if all you know is that your past, if, if all you believe is I'm still a sinner, then friends, while you're saved, you'll live like one. You'll be stuck. And that is not God's will for your life and mine. But you see, when we came to Christ, I said when we came to Christ, we discovered a better way. Not only did we discover God's forgiveness, we also discovered forgiveness unto others. We discovered kindness and generosity and love and peace and goodwill towards others. These things have set us free to do what God created us for. And so to live this way, to walk in this new way of life, it requires that you and I break free from a slave mentality that tells us, this is who I am. I'm only human. This is how I was raised. This is all I know how to do. This is what I feel. Friends, Jesus did a complete work in you. And he's doing something really special in your life right now. Do you perceive it? Will you dare to explore that? Will, do, will you dare to go deeper than what your past tells you? Because God is inviting you to step out of the old. And he's saying, come on and let me show you something new. 
something new that will never grow old. It will just get better and better. Life will get brighter and brighter. You'll discover grace upon grace. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. The next point I want to share with you to get unstuck is that what you know will either become your prison or your passport. It's what you know that will become either your prison or your passport. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 8, verses 31 and 32. He says, to the Jews who had believed in Jesus said, he's talking to people who believed. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, when he's talking about holding, he's not talking about holding your Bible. He's talking about holding it near and dear to your heart. Holding it near and dear so that your eyes so that your views, so that your vision, so that your purpose in life leads you to something greater. So he says to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said to them, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, I said, then, then, when you hold that to your heart, when you hold that to your vision, when you hold that to your purposes, then you will know the truth. Watch this. And the truth will do what? It will set you free. It will set you free. Anybody interested in freedom? Anybody interested in getting unstuck in life? Anybody interested in moving past now what? Because if you're going to get past this question that plagues your heart and your mind, this thing that keeps you stuck and questioning, now what? If you're going to break free, it depends on the truth that you know. And friend, if the only truth you've relied on is your past or your present circumstances, if the only truth you rely upon is what somebody tells you, then friends, it's secondhand information. Let me tell you why. Because your past is not God. And the circumstances, the issues of life are not God. And what even I tell you, I'm not God. But you see, when you start to dig into the word of God and you begin to meditate upon the word, that just simply means that you begin to think on it and you begin to allow it to paint a different picture and you begin to perceive things through the promises that you see, through the power of Jesus, through, through all that, we, that, that, that the Bible teaches us, when that begins to inform your decision-making, when that begins to infect your belief system, then, friends, here's what begins to happen. It becomes truth, and that truth sets you free. That truth sets you free. See, let me give you a stark reality. It is not enough to know Jesus, to grow and overcome in life. I'm going to say that again. It is not enough to know Jesus as Lord to grow in life, to mature. It is not enough. It is not enough. You're barely scratching the surface. According to the scriptures, it's the truth that we know from God that sets us free. And friends, with the truth, here's, 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 here's the two options we have with the truth. We're either renewing our mind or we're resisting. 
We're either renewing our understanding and our belief system or we're resisting change. We're resisting God. A portion of scripture that some of you may know, maybe you've heard it, I'll read it to you again, is Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't fall into the mold of this world to your experience. Don't fall into the mold of what people tell you. Don't fall into the mold of the reels you see on social media. Don't fall into the mold of the trends that you see happening in society. Don't fall into the mold of the news. Don't fall into the mold of your past. Don't fall into the mold of your family. It says, but be transformed. And watch how transformation happens by the renewing of your mind, the renovation of your mind, the reconstruction of your mind. Then, then, then you will be able to test, to approve, to experience what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. God's not into us. Resisting the change he has. God's into renewing us. And friend, here's the good news I have for you. God gives you truth so that you can partner with him in a reconstruction project. He loves you. The last point I want to leave you with here is resistance leads to renewal. I said resistance leads to renewal. Let me tell you what, I, what I'm talking about here. Freedom from the past doesn't come without resistance. How many of you can agree with this? You accepted Jesus and you thought it was going to be peaches and creams. You said, oh man, everything's going to be great. Now it feels so great. And then all of a sudden, your past comes creeping up. All of a sudden, some of those attitudes that you thought were done away with still rise up. All of a sudden, what you thought was going to be an easy road, you hit bumps along that road. And it feels hard. Let me tell you, the devil's not just going to sit back and say, I'm going to stop lying to them because now they know Jesus. When Jesus started his ministry, this earthly ministry, the first person to show up was Satan. And he proposed lies. Lies, lies, lies. And so, friends, the reason why I share this point with you is because when resistance comes to this walk of faith, you cannot grow weary. You cannot get discouraged. In fact, you have to apply greater resistance to that resistance so that you can walk in renewal. As we read earlier, we've been set free for freedom. But let me remind you what the scripture says. That freedom requires that we stand firm. And what this indicates is that we will face resistance along the way in various forms. But you and I have to stand. Why don't we take a moment to stand as we're closing today. And I want you to do something with me. Don't worry about how loud it sounds. I want you to plant your feet. I mean like really plant your feet. Like just plant them. Plant them in such a way that if somebody came at you, you ain't going nowhere. You're not moving easily. The Bible says, stand firm. You've been set free, but you must stand firm. You know, 
there's something interesting that salmon fish do. Salmon fish are the only fish that try to go upstream. They go against great resistance because they're trying to get to waters where they can release their eggs and posture the future that's to come. They're thinking about what they're going to lay, which will eventually produce life and bring new fish to life. The only salmon that don't go upstream are the dead ones. The only salmon that go with the flow of water are dead ones. And friends, the reason why I share that with you is because as new Christians in Christ, we cannot afford to flow with the challenges of life. We cannot afford to flow with the challenges that sinful habits try to creep up into our lives. We cannot afford to flow with destructive thoughts. You and I must go against the flow. Because against the flow is where new life is possible. Against the flow is where growth happens. Against the flow is where God is leading you and I. Would you be bold today? Would you raise your hands to heaven in response to God and say, I'm going against whatever resistance comes my way. Come on. Come on. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we all face the question, now what? We all experience those times where we feel stuck. But today we acknowledge the truth in your word that tells us that you have set us free for freedom. And that we are called to stand. And Lord, we will not back down. We will not relent. We will not resist what you want to do in our lives. We make room for you this day. We make room for your purposes and your plans. We make room for new life. Lord, we will not be blind to the new thing that you are doing in us. It is for freedom that you have set us free. We are free people, and we are free indeed. And, Lord, we celebrate all that you're doing in our lives. We celebrate the new things that you have to come. We celebrate the purposes that you are releasing right now. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.